0: Hi, Alex Osterberry here Director of Rugby for Saracens Women You're listening to the Saracens Fezcast This is the Fezcast
1: the following podcast is brought to you on behalf of the Saracen Supporters Association and is not an official product of Saracens Limited. Content provided voluntarily by our guests and contributors are of their own opinion, which may change over time and should not be taken as fact, particularly as the podcast hosts are regularly talking drivel anyway. If you've got some drivel of your own you'd like to share, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Fezcast_SSA. You can search Facebook for the FezCast or you can email fezcast.ssa at outlook.com. You're listening to the FezCast.
2: Fezcast. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to our next edition of uh, the FezCast. And uh, it's a four-way tonight. We've got myself, we've got Matt, Barry, and Sam joining us. Good evening, gentlemen. How are we all?
1: Evening. evening. All right, mate. I've warmed up.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, me and Matt were um, at the game on uh, Saturday for Saracens Women. Uh, got frozen and not warmed up by the performance on the pitch, which we will cover off in part one. And then I take it, You all, did all three of you go to the uh, the Edinburgh game?
0: Yeah, I was. I was in the warmth of the Tulip Club though, so uh, so it was all good. Mold, uh, mold wine, mold wine was uh, was was flowing. It was great.
3: No, I, I, I was out in the cheap seats with the frozen coffee.
2: i <laughs> uh, was we sat at home with a couple of the Gronies watching the game. So yeah, but um, yeah, plenty to discuss across both games. Um, we'll do part one. We'll start with the women's game. Sam Burry, did you see any of the women's game?
0: I am. Um, I, I saw the result, and um, it didn't inspire me to catch the highlight reel um, this this week because I thought it's just going to be Gloucester highlights. Um, which is yeah a real shame, but I have to say um, when I was in the Tulip Lounge, well, I might mention that a couple more times um, today. Um, uh, Lottie Clap was was up there before uh, talking about obviously what's going on with with the, with the girls at the moment, and she said that actually they're so used to winning that they um, and she, she said it's not in a, it wasn't in a, like a big headed way, but they're so used to winning that it is quite a shock to the system when they do lose, particularly when they lose quite heavily. Um, but she thinks it's a really positive shot to the system. And she actually says she thinks this result has been coming maybe for a little while. Um, Gloucester looked look particularly formidable this season and were quite rightly tipped for big things pre-season. Um, and she you know, she, she said, you know, this was actually a really great wake-up call to us uh, that maybe we'd actually been floating by this season a little bit, um, just sort of waiting for our, our superstars to come back, so to speak. So um, she seemed to sort of try and, Take as much positive out of the game as she possibly could, um, and explain to everyone there that you know, obviously, that they, they they still believe that they're gonna they're gonna do well during the course of this season. Obviously, welcoming back the um, the, the the World Cup stars in in January, and um, and she still saw a lot of positives to come from this season, albeit a, a big old blip um, that happened on Saturday. But I haven't caught the uh, haven't caught the actual highlights yet. And I'll be honest with you, I'm probably not gonna.
2: <laughs> well, I would I would suggest not, to be perfectly honest with you. And I, I will say, and you're absolutely right, Sam, I don't think the girls need telling. I mean, for one reason, because I think Alex told them on the pitch at the end of the game in no uncertain terms. I mean, we couldn't quite hear what he's saying, could we, Matt? But the, the implications were there that they were getting a right proper bollocking, and quite honestly, deservedly so. And, you know, I think in nearly 30 years ago to watch Saracens. That is one of the worst performances by a Saracens team I've seen. And I mean, that's not that's not being disrespectful to the girls. I don't think that it's through lack of effort or anything like that. But they got caught cold by an extremely good Gloucester side. Um, right from the start, I think the first kick to touch was sliced off the outside of the boot. And from it, Gloucester scored a try. And it just continued that way. And I think... I went along wanting to see um, Grace's hands off, hand offs because I think it's a thing of beauty. As I mentioned to Georgia and Leanne before the game, when I met them at the start of the game, and she never got the ball. Not many people did get the ball, and not many people. You know, if you look at one to fifteen or one to twenty-three across that pitch, I don't think there are many players. Uh, Matt, you mentioned prop forwards. The front row perhaps did reasonably well, but it wasn't it wasn't great, was it, Matt?
1: It wasn't. No, yeah. I think I think one of the few things that came out of it was was both starting props. To be fair, were at least sticking tackles in. They were at every ruck. There, there was. It's one of those things. You looked at it and think there is effort going in. It's not. It's not like they've all switched off. But yeah. Um, we have won plenty of games, fifty odd to not a lot, over the last three or four years, and we've and we've looked at it, and gone, yeah, we we were the better team by a country mile. It was the other way around this time, and and yeah, the people that have tipped Gloucester to be up there at the end of the season, they showed that they have they have got it. Because let's face it, that wasn't a bad team we've put out. We, we've it's not like we we rang twenty five changes and we're and we're playing the third third fifteen. It it, it was. There was a decent set of international players. There's some of our up-and-coming players in there. Some of the new signings that we've made that we've been impressed with so far this season, it just didn't click at all. Um, and actually, I'm I'm not going to tell you who said this in case it comes back to bite but I did manage to catch a little word with someone um, who basically said, yeah, after, after 15, 20 minutes, we knew it wasn't going to go very well. It was just one of those days, and it was a case of how much, and we were just doing our absolute best to stem the tide, which sometimes it happens. Um, and as you said, Jez, it, it hasn't happened to to Saracens women for a long time. That's a record record loss in the league um, in the the five years of uh, of Premier Fifteens. And it was it was just all round. There wasn't you couldn't pick anyone out that let the team down single handedly. It was just it was just an all round bad day. And yeah, Alex Osterbury probably let them have it in the middle of the pitch. There were plenty of them that came over to the side of the pitch talking to their families and things that said, "Yeah, that was dreadful." um we you know they all know that it wasn't good enough us watching it didn't find it good enough and and to be honest the best thing that's come out of that is what sam's just said there that, that skipper has fronted up in the uh in the tulip cub and and i think there is a positive spin on it and that it will give them a kick up the bum so we'll have to see over the next couple of weeks what goes on there's a trip to sail ahead which isn't going to be uh too easy at the moment either
2: Well, absolutely. I mean, that's the sign. And that's what you're looking for, isn't it? It's it's how you come back from it. I remember a a couple of the Valentine Day massacre from a few seasons ago for the men against Wasps, where they got an absolute thumping at home, wasn't it, as well? And it's how you come back from that that defines you as a team. Now, what I am going to say, what was most disappointing is it appears that a lot of the Red Roses players have been kept back another week from coming back from New Zealand. Poppy Cleal was walking around the pitch. She didn't get a great deal of minutes out in New Zealand, certainly not as many minutes as Pat's have no idea why she couldn't have played. Um, considering, you know, Gloucester had a couple of players, more Maud, um, Maud Muir, for instance, who played equally as much as Poppy out in um out in New Zealand, she's backing, was backing on, on the bench, I think, wasn't it, or, or whichever way around. But, you know, it just seems, you know, the club have made a big deal about this being the game, that the internationals were going to be back to come back and support them. And at the end of the day, we saw Leanne Infante was there, Poppy Clear was there. But, you know, they try to get a big crowd in, and then suddenly there's a bit of a damp squib, because, you know, without wishing to diminish the, the the players who are on the pitch, we were perhaps expecting to see the likes of Marty Packer and Poppy Cleal on that pitch, and and we didn't. And that was very disappointing.
0: I suppose the thing we were sort of talking about at the beginning of this season, um, with the with some of the men's um players, and and you know, there was that the sort of fiasco of certain players coming back early, and why were certain players allowed to play? You know, we had that thing at, at Quinn's, didn't we, where Marcus Smith didn't play, but Owen Farrell did, and everyone was looking forward to that matchup. and um, And I guess it's the same; it's the same thing, but maybe in reverse. Is that the players know how they feel, the coaches assess them, and I guess the decision is made. And we have to, I, I suppose, they know better than we do as to whether whether they're ready, whether they should be playing, whether they need a little bit more rest, or whether they're they're ready and raring to go. And you know, maybe on the, on the men's side of things, that worked quite nicely for us at the beginning of the year perhaps some of the players have come back from from New Zealand and actually don't feel quite ready to to play just yet um and and that decision was made i'm i'm sure with the the, the players i imagine made that decision as much as as the coaching staff did as as we i'm sure it would if it was the other way around and they said no i'm ready and raring to go they would have um you know they would have let them play so i guess we have to trust our coaches don't we really that they know what they're doing and they're bringing players back at, at, a, at a pace that's that good for them
2: um positives from it i mean i suppose first things first referee on that on the day and we are going to mention referees on this show I and mean, we did say off air that we weren't going to mention referees but i thought the referee had a really good game um and also showed a good sense of humor because uh, two or three times i questioned him about the deliberate knock-on <laughs> which he kind of uh, <laughs> which he, he, he was he was very good in it anyway oh I, I i did it in a in a jokey way as well which i think he picked up on and everything but uh, and the other thing was um i also told matt and his friend ben there how to beat tyson Fury in the boxing ring which is um always a good a good uh a good thing i mean it shows you what the entertainment was like that i was describing how you beat tyson Fury. not saying i'd do it you know i mean, perhaps five years past my peak but that's, he
0: is an avid listener so he's he's gonna yeah. hear
1: this You've cha- so you've changed. You've come way. down a bit there, Jez. And now you're on air. You're, you were giving it the vegan on <laughs> on Saturday. <It> was- <laughs>
2: <laughs> that might that might have been the, the chips talking. I don't know, but yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> yeah. It was it was it was nice to get to the to the Stone X, even though it's uh um it was cold as anything. I had about seventy two layers on, which for someone who doesn't feel the cold was quite um, quite impressive. But yeah, um, well. A bad day at the office. We'll see how they go next game. You know, we wish them all the best. Hopefully, we'll see a few more of the uh, the big name players back for the sale game, and 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 they go into Christmas looking good. Yeah. To have a word from yeah. one of our sponsors, and then we'll come back and discuss the European game then. <laughs>
1: listening to the FezCast, which is proudly sponsored by the Saracen Supporters Association. And I'm Alison Davis, one of the SSA committee. For a £10 annual subscription, the SSA provides our members with monthly newsletters, virtual and in-person player events, away match ticket allocations, and we organise pre-match gatherings at away matches. We sponsor men's and women's players, and we support the Saracen's Foundation Track Club on behalf of our members. On top of all that... Every year we have a seasonal SSA badge, which is exclusive to members. Where else can you get that much value for a tenner? Join now at membermojo.co.uk forward slash SSA or come and see us on match day in the Oasis at the Stonex.
2: This
1: is the Fezcast.
2: Well, welcome back to the second part of uh, this week's Fezcast with myself, Matt, Sam, and Barry, and the big game on the weekend is the return of well, I'll say European competition. One thing to say before we talk about the game itself: there's a lot of people who aren't very happy about the way that the one the competition is gone with the introduction of the South African um, franchises into the into the competition, and secondly, there's a lot of people that making a big deal about crowds. And the lack of crowds at games. Now, the, I don't know what the, the attendance was like at Stone X on Sunday. It seemed pretty full. It seemed proud. had less than 10,000 people, apparently, down South Africa, a long journey down there. You just didn't see... The, the, the competition doesn't seem to spark people's enthusiasm. Am I getting that wrong? Or how do we feel?
3: Barry, over to you first. Yeah, it's a difficult one. I mean, I'm I'm a bit old school. It's a cup competition. Just stick the names in a hat and draw them out and we'll play a game against whoever we draw against rather than having these complicated groups. I mean, I get why they've done this because there were too many dead rubbers. In the old format, you'd lose your first couple of games, maybe three, and then it was kind of all over and you weren't going to qualify and and you knew it and you were sort of scratching around, putting out um, the the mixed veg, as as other people call them at times, as the second team. But it it does seem a bit odd that we're in the same pool as Leinster, but can't play them until the semi finals, all sorts of permutations. And I don't think it's for me, I love it. I love the chance to play different teams. Sides we don't see um, year in year out, albeit Edinburgh here for the second year. Um, but it, it is a great opportunity to see different sides, different players, and some and some real big stars as well. But you're right; it hasn't hasn't caught everyone's imagination. I mean, attendance is awful. Eh? It was, you, I was. I think they announced the crowd changes to the team at Brentford on uh, the London Irish game on Friday night.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, Matt, what, what was your impression of, at StoneX?
1: Yeah, I think attendances were down a little bit, but uh, you know, let's face it, there were, there were probably some people that um, maybe a bit fair weather and uh, and the fact that it was minus one for most of most of the they did did put some people off. I mean, there's there I, I sit in the same seat every week, and I'm normally sitting around the same people every week who also have a season ticket, and that quite a few of them weren't there, so. Yeah, I don't know whether that's the fact that the competition itself hasn't captured the imagination, whether it's the fact that there's been a few weeks off, everyone's sort of lost track of what's going on or whether it was just because it was cold <laughs> was, the, was the issue. But I, I don't know. Um, I, I, I'm like Barry a little bit. I, there's a part of me that doesn't like the format of the competition, but actually I I think I think it does work. I think people need to need to actually look at it as there's, there's so many people saying know, oh, it's so complex and no one no one understands it well actually it is pretty simple I just haven't got the words to uh, to do it properly but it just you know it means that there are less games so you're not playing those those dead rubbers as Barry said but what it also means is rather than sort of knocking the pools down from four teams to three teams to create less games if if you did that you'd have a team that's that's having a week off all the time it wouldn't it wouldn't work um, so the way they've done it is so that every single team is playing all the time, but you're actually only playing two teams home and away. So it, it, it does make a lot of sense. And we talk about player welfare all the time. They've done something to reduce <laughs> fixtures. So I get it. Let's keep it. Um, everyone just get your head around it. But it's, um, I don't know, there's, um, it needs, it needs a bit of a rebrand. Um, I think, yeah, we we have to stop calling it the European competition because it isn't. Um, South African teams are in it as well, but it should be a good competition. Um, South African teams coming in and playing us at club level, I, I think, is good. Um, there's a lot of good sides that we would like to play in an exhibition game that we're actually going to get to play in a competitive match. So, well,
2: absolutely. I mean, yeah. you've got you've got World Cup winning players. I mean, and World Cup winning captains playing in the competition. So, yeah, the competition's got to be great, but. Let's move on to Saracens versus Edinburgh. Um, And the first thing I'm going to say is we, I think, in this game, it was a close-fought win. Uh, Edinburgh played some extremely good rugby. And let's not forget, last year, in the competition we were both in last year, Edinburgh beat us at Stone. Um, But I do think that it shows... Our players who came back in, your Farrells, your Tojis, your Jamie Georges, not having meaningful club rugby for them to play in over the last two weeks, through no fault of their own, and coming together. And it took, um, um, other than the first, the first burst when you thought, oh, I got a second, we're on something special here, where Shaw Maitland and Billy Villapola connected, and Maku Villapola connected, and made that beautiful little bit of a run in there. But yeah, it was... Two two teams come together almost. I thought, Sam.
0: You know, I, I, I was saying um, I was quite lucky. I got to, I got to stand next to um, Big Nige from the uh, Supporters Association on Sunday, who uh, was was a good laugh to, to stand next to. And um and I said I said, said this to him. I said I don't think I've seen this season a team better coming to the StoneX better prepared to play us. Um, they quite clearly had watched every single minute of every single game that we played. Quite clearly, seen this whole new Saracens, new brand of rugby, and they came with a game plan to nullify that, and they they almost pulled it off. And if they had, then you've got to you've got to give the players and the coaching staff at Edinburgh all the kudos in the world because you could see they was they were doing everything they can. Every single breakdown was slow; they were very quick in in, in defence to you know to panic us into that. Into there was a, there was a number of times where we played too many passes, one too many passes, and that was. I believe down to to Edinburgh forcing us to do that because the mentality that's been instilled in us this season is go for the jugular, you know, play this expansive um, type of rugby, and Edinburgh actually exploited that. And in my humble opinion, I think we would have had a much easier ride if we'd actually reverted to type in the second half, not started running the, 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 the ball around and, and you know doing all this fantastic stuff, just getting back to the old box kicks and and, and uh, you know territorial rugby. And I think. That's how we would have actually put the sword to them a lot easier. Um, but but all, all the time in the world, Fred and they they did their homework, um, and um, and I think they'll be bitterly disappointed as well as bitterly cold um, that they uh, that they didn't actually uh, pull off the, the game plan to perfection. It was really, let's be honest, um, one of their I can't remember which of their players made made the break. Absolutely butchered that chance at the end. Why he didn't get his head down and just score the try, no one will know. Um, and two class um bits of kicking from Daly and Faz that were the difference ultimately in, in the in the two teams on the day. So plaudits to Edinburgh came here and uh, and and nearly nearly gave us a good a good seeing too and um yeah well done to them. I want to I'm going to
2: come back to the um the try that was butchered in a little bit when we talk about one particular player. But before we do that um the one thing I've written down here is who refereed the game. Now I think the lads from Georgia who refereed the game did as well as he possibly could do. But with no disrespect to him, I think it was a stepping class above where he's perhaps been um, used to. And it showed because I do think that actually what I I put down here who actually did referee the game, was was it Sir, was it Jamie Ritchie or was it Owen Farrell? And actually, I think Jamie Ritchie took it too far. You know, when Owen Farrell gets all this and we we've we've had this discussion, me and Matt have had this discussion when um the, the question with uh Macho now the other week, you know, where Faz questioned him. I think Faz actually refereed him very well or, or managed the referee extremely well and was quite respectful in the way that he spoke to him and almost in a way, was a senior player guiding an inexperienced referee through the game, and I think that's the persona that Faz took on. Jamie Ritchie, who makes Faz look like the most respectful man in the world, because he is—he—he's—he's he's a typical Scottish, albeit from from the wilds of West London where he was born or whatever, but he's very much in the in the in the Finley, colder uh, uh, John Jeffrey kind of Derek White, you know those. Gnarly, horrible Scottish back row players who who like getting under the skin of just about everybody. They they will wind up. I think Jamie Ritchie could possibly have a fight with himself in a telephone box if he was so inclined, and and I do think he unfortunately, for Edinburgh managed to get on the wrong side of the referee, who was, as I say, being very managed very well by by Faz, and uh, and that kind
3: of was a bit of a difference in the game. Is that fair, Barry? Yeah, I I wondered. Uh, this is what you wouldn't have picked this up from the TV. The very first penalty in the game was right in front of the Edinburgh bench, and they gave it five ten seconds before the referee did. They were all jumping up and down and whooping and hollering, and the referee just gave it. And I thought, I wonder if he's been if he's not coming across as quite strong enough to to really deal with it. And from there, I think it just kind of snowballed. He didn't for me. I didn't. I don't have the referee. Um, mike so it, it, perhaps i missed something out from there but he didn't seem to give clear decisions and he, he is his signals and his communication looked wrong the number of times he signaled time off and went to speak to the players it was you know at some point you might do it once you might do it twice then the third time you think it's got to be some actual action come out of it and yeah i mean if he, he, he did penalize them, he marched him back twice i think and obviously Produced two yellow cards, but he didn't really seem to to stamp his authority on it early. And, and that's probably not any disrespect to him. It's probably just that step up in class that, that makes that much harder.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think the, the referee showed enough promise that he will obviously develop into a good referee and hopefully he sat down with, Jamie Ritchie and Mike Blair and Owen father and Mark McCall after the game, I had a pint with them, babies, and and had a discussion about it. And I think he will have learned from that. I don't think he was making huge rickets. Some of his decisions were slightly and my big bugbear is the one thing I hate is, is that rut time, players going 15 foot past the uh the, the rut, taking players out. And he didn't penalize it until. Um, he penalised Alex Levowski. And I think I have to feel sorry for Alex because he's watched every single ruck players coming off their feet, going past, taking players out of the ankle. He's thinking, "Oh, we could get away with that." And then suddenly he's done it to win quick ball, and he's got penalised. And that's 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 the issue that when the, there's a lack of consistency in there. The other big decision, I'm going to bring Matt in on this one because I think he he might have a, a a point of view on this one. WP now. Um, took C.H.H. out, lifted the leg in the air, banged him down on his shoulder. Personally, I think it was a red. And if he'd seen red, I don't think anybody could have had any arguments about it. Um, He saw yellow. I think there was a slight element that maybe it was 12 minutes to go to the end of the game. They were already on a yellow. They were down to 14 men. I think that possibly clouded the decision there. But that, that should have been a red, shouldn't it, Matt?
1: Yeah, it's a tricky one for me. I, I to be honest, when um when they were first looking at it, I thought it was uh it was penalty only and then having seen it on the screen a few more times, I was I was getting more and more yellow than red. So I I think a lot of it goes back to where we've talked about the the game is so subjective that um, I don't think that was clear cut. I think you could have given a yellow. I think you could have given a red. I think he's probably been saved by the fact that Callum Hill stuck his arm out and landed on that rather than landing on his head. Um, so yeah, WP Nell's actually got his opposite number to to, to thank for uh, for saving him from a from a red card. Um, I yeah, I, I'm, I'm kind of um, kind of with Barry. It was a little bit tricky for me to sort of have too much of an opinion either way on the referee. I don't like talking about a referee too much when I've been in the stands because, a I like Barry, I don't have the ref mic so I can't hear what he's what he's saying and, B, I quite often then watch it on the telly and completely change my opinion of stuff. So, it, it, it's it's hard to work out. Um, it seems to me that both sets of fans aren't happy with him, which normally means either the referee's had a really good game because he's given everything 50-50 or he's had a really bad one and no one's got a clue what he's been giving and I honestly don't know. Um, there were some... some the, the penalties that he was given against us that they were scoring points from were absolutely clear-cut and I could see them from the stands. So that was fine. Um, but, yeah, everything around that, don't know. But, yeah, could have been a red card. Um, equally, I don't think I was particularly uh, irate when he only gave a yellow.
2: Uh, you say about the the penalties he gave against us. I mean, I will say that... Um... My Mrs. Sazza will tell you that I disagreed with just about every decision he made. But then again, that's what I tend to do. Uh, I, I will just also mention the other interesting one was the, the tight end. You know, given that Maku verna his last game for England, was he was completely and utterly uh, supposedly obliterated. Although I question the legality of the obliteration. He came back in and obliterated De Bruyne to the point that he was dragged off after 32 minutes. So a great comeback there from Maku verna We'll also mention a couple of other players. Um, Marco Ricchioni, absolutely different class. at tight really put in a big one. But the player that we really do need to mention is Elliot Daly, who had an absolute blinding game again. And I'm going to come back. It was you, Sam, wasn't it, who mentioned about the Butcher try. And I'm going to bring in very quickly, currently uh, Allendays' try for South Africa against England where Marcus Smith just did the old bullfighter, Torre, Torre, through you go, gave him 10 metres to work in. And Contrast that with what Elliot Daly did. Now, Elliot didn't make the tackle on the lad going down the wing, but what he did was he forced him to come inside because he went at such a pace and made him work and made him put a decision in his mind. Now, you're right, he should have still scored that try in the same way that um, we got the try when Owen... Kicked over, and Elliot bang, Bisphass boss, and, and in that great. If Marcus Smith had done what Elliot Daly had done against South Africa, he'd have made it an awful lot harder for that try to be scored. Van der Merver, when he was the kick coming over, completely he butchered it because he went far too fast. But Elliot actually made the lad do something that allowed us to get back and, and to save that from being a certain try. And then in an attack, as you say, I mean Elliot um, Faz put one great kick in. Elliot Daly put an absolute perla kick in, and just did everything on the game so very well. I mean, Sam, you mentioned him as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I was thinking. I think that little that little kick he, that he has in his armory, that little nudge that he does. I think he's done it three times a season. We've scored every time. So for me, it's not just, like I, I could sit here for, for, for hours talking about how brilliant Elliot Daly is. So you just put it down to small little bits that he does. The, the fact is that for me, rugby is quite easy in terms of fact, figuring out how to do it. You make the right decision and then you execute it. And at what Elliot Daly is doing this season is he's making the right decisions and he's executing it. And he's pretty much doing it every time. I can't think of a mistake that he's made this year. I can't think of a silly pass that he's thrown. I can't think of a stupid miss tackle that he's made. I can't think of a kick that he's completely butchered. I mean, i might I'd probably be wrong, and there's probably people listening and going, "Well, of course there was Sam. Don't forget that that thing that happened at this time, whatever." But he is not only is he is he a, a clearly a world class player in the top three or four players in, in our division this season on, on form, but I just think that his ability, his accuracy, and ability to make the right decisions are what is actually the, making the class above at the moment. Um, two very simple things, but two simple things that not a lot of play- people have, and he's got it in spades at the moment.
2: Absolutely, yeah, and I think he's been the constant throughout the team this season, as you say, and all brilliant. He's impressed.
0: player of the year so far.
2: Oh yeah, I, I mean, particularly seeing as VO didn't have a great game on um, on Sunday, which was a shame. But you know, Matt Matt pointed that out that sometimes he does have a quiet game, but you know, he's still learning. Uh, and Ben Earl, had a reason quite game. Well, I think that's because he came up against the best open side that he's played against this year, and you know, and they kind of nullified each other almost at points, which was uh, uh, great to see. But yeah, the, the that cross that Crosby, I thought, had a really good game for uh, for Edinburgh. Um, you know, so, uh, uh, and I suppose Stuart Mac- McInally will, will will be practicing his throw in lineups and perhaps speaking to his skipper about how to do it properly because it the one, one they did it, it was Jamie Ritchie's throw when McAnally was off the pitch. So there you go. Look, gentlemen, I think we're coming to the end of this one. I mean, it's been a great discussion. Uh, next week, we're going to be back. Uh, on the twenty-first with our Christmas show. And although I've put myself up on our Zoom as the Christmas Grinch, there's reasons behind that. My music shows are all miserable and Christmas songs, which I love. But uh <laughs> we've got a special guest. Here, so keep your eyes open on um social medias for that. I did speak to Ollie on Chapley on Saturday, so it is kind of confirmed, but we will we'll let you um wait and, and, um and pick up on the social medias. But yeah, Sam, Barry, Matt, thank you for your time today it's been um superb yeah and again a week into two hours i think it's fair to say isn't it gentlemen yeah
0: absolutely yep yeah half
2: and,
3: half yeah <laughs> yeah well no in fairness that was that was two halves as well it was cold and then it got colder uh, <laughs>
2: <yeah>. <laughs> uh, at least at least your, your 742 pints of beer that you're currently going through <laughs> Barry, a nice and nicely chilled I suppose
3: yeah we just need to get a sponsorship from them they're local as well so I'll I'll, I'll let you in on the details <laughs> <laughs>
2: excellent stuff
3: uh, gentlemen thank you very
2: much and uh, um, as I say we'll be back next Wednesday with our pre-Christmas special
0: this is the first <laughs>